today's podcast, could I be making more money by investing in a different type of property? Did I pay too much for my last rehab? When is it the wrong time to add square footage to a property? If you're asking yourself these real estate investing questions, you need to listen to the entire episode, how to properly evaluate a deal in real estate. Um, but I always felt that rad is what it was going to stay and rad's what it's going to be because we're a rad company with rad team members and rad employees and rad real estate and all kinds of more rad stuff. So we're just rad. That's a dad joke in case you didn't get it. Right here, right now on the rad podcast, explore wealth. We're going to get rocking and rolling. I am fresh off of playing in the world series of poker some of you from the instagram were asking for updates and those kind of things well i'm here right doing this call so i'm not actively playing in the world series of poker which means i'm out so i was one of those bucket list things i uh made it two and a half days and uh, a couple of the the chip leaders that are left were sitting at my table and so uh it's pretty cool though i made it over halfway um i think there was 87 8600 players made it down to the less than the final 2000, which was pretty cool. So I made it a long way. So it was a lot of fun. I hadn't played uh, poker in over two years. So to make it that far, I was pretty happy. But today we're talking about really important information, right? We're talking about how to select a property property and evaluate a deal. And I, I love this conversation because I think it's one of the places over the years we've truly been able to accelerate. We've been able to do things, I think, that kind of separate us from the competition. I think making that extra money on an individual deal basis is huge, right? Everybody always talks about compound interest being the eighth wonder of the year of the world, right? And if compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, what you want to do is create as much ammunition or as much fuel, right, for compound interest to be able to go to work for you. Well, one of the great parts about doing real estate is not only can you take your money and put it into a deal and get that working for you, but also the leverage, the loans, right, begin working for you, but then the appreciation begins working for you. And so all of these kind of create a compounding effect that is pretty special and pretty unique. And so when you're evaluating deals, the difference between doing it good or bad makes a huge difference uh, into your profit profit margin and your ability to do deals. So let's go ahead and rock and roll. I love to get started right away. As we go through selecting properties, right? Um, I think this is one of the things is you kind of have to decide, you know, what type of properties you're going to specialize in. What are you going to work in, right? Are you going to work in single family homes, which is one of the simplest you know, easiest to understand. It's very common, right? Everybody grew up uh, living in, in a home or they grew up living in an apartment. And, you know, so these are something that, you know, people commonly, you know, believe in or they commonly understand. And so while we're selecting properties, what we want to look at is, you know, one, obviously, once we find the location, right, it comes down to how do we evaluate them. And so if we reviewed from the, the last lessons, right, we always want to find that rad zone. And if you haven't watched that video, as we showed you how to find locations and, and the best locations, uh, go back and, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you like, follow us on Facebook. Make sure you like, follow our Instagram, go to our website, uh, raddiversified.com. And we keep an archive of, of all the old videos uh, for you to be able to watch and go back and watch that replay because finding the right location is the difference between making a 20% appreciation a year or making 3% appreciation a year or making none at all. And so it makes it makes a huge difference as you review and you take a look at that. And so what this picture is, is a great example of, you know, on different areas, you have what's called valleys and deserts. And so on one side, you'll see to the left of the hospital as I'm 
pointing at it as if you can see my hand. Uh, you see to the to the left of the hospital, you see where it's dark there. Um, you won't see value dramatically increasing. Um, but to the right of it, you see where we have it purple and we have the red zone marked out. You see it, it's a highly appreciating area and that's sandwiched between a stadium and downtown. And this is how we find those, those hot, hot markets is by mapping out the cities. Now you see those big dark lines that are barriers, right? Those are sometimes rivers or school districts, the whole other side of the railroad tracks is always a very real, uh, very, very important part in any city because the railroad tracks or rivers or freeways all align with how cities are designed and how they're, they're coded or how they're zoned uh, specifically and makes a big difference whether it's council members or school districts. All of this factors into which areas are going to really grow in value and which areas are going to really slow down. And so once I find my rad zone, right, that's my first action that I'm going to take. And that's important for you to think about. Like all of the other things you can sit here and do is you can get properties from all over around a city. You can evaluate different things. But the thing is, if you're trying to look at too big of a scale, what you'll never do is be able to narrow it down to what's really, really important. And so what I find is once you figure out where your red zone is, where you're going to focus and concentrate your effort in, now you know you can go to the next step of looking for your properties. And for me, it's all about identifying what we call margin gaps. Write that down, margin gaps. And what margin gaps are is these magical places in real estate where you can make the most amount of money. Look, everything we do is value add real estate, right? We take something that's broken, dented, you know, bust it up and we want to improve it. We want to fix it. We want to add value to it. Sometimes we want to add square footage. Sometimes we want to add, uh, you know, different, different uh, assets to the property, whether it's adding a mother-in-law's quarters um, or adding a pool to it, because we know in that market, adding a pool for $20,000 might add $60,000 in value to a property. And that's what a margin gap is. It's all about being able to figure out in a hyperinflation market, right? And I know we're past the hyperinflation now, but this is was when it became the most relevant um, because when you're in hyperinflation, everything is at max value. You find a lot fewer properties under market value, a lot fewer properties that that um, are going to be picked up from pre-foreclosure, especially during the foreclosure moratorium uh, that we that we faced during the the COVID times. And so these margin gaps is what made made the difference. And so let's say we buy a property for $600,000 and we put a $200,000 rehab into the property. And so we're all in for $800,000. But that $200,000 rehab creates a $500,000 margin gap. So now we've created a $300,000 potential profit. And to be able to make that 300,000 gap could make you as much as 200% on an individual property. And people are always like, well, what's the percentage discount you buy at? Well, when we go to auctions, a lot of times, we buy at a percentage discount of anywhere from 15 to 25%. But what I'm talking about is what is our maximum return? And that's one of the reasons why auction properties can be great because you can get deep discounts at them. But at the same time, leverage and loans and all of those things become much more challenging or difficult on those types of properties. So you have to have lenders that are um, liquid and freely lending on those kind of things, which aren't common. It's very uncommon, right, uh, in, the, in the real estate marketplace. So, you know, I love to get those pre-auction properties. I love to find those properties that, you know, have a, have a need. They have an urgency to sell, right? Um, and so as we're out there going and looking at deals and looking at transactions, these are things that we're looking for with these margin gaps. One particular property in Florida, 520 Centerbrook, we actually bought four houses um, on this one street in Florida. And it, it's pretty incredible. And, and we found that in this neighborhood, that any property, right, that was over 4,000 square feet was selling for over $1.2 million. Any property less than 4,000 
4,000 square feet was selling for as little as seven or $800,000. And a lot of these properties only needed about a thousand dollars. I mean, about a thousand square foot added to them to hit that gap. And so those are the kind of gaps that we're looking for. It's actually one of our properties. Uh, you should jump online, look at, look at it on our Instagram or on our, our Facebook and take a deeper look at it. It's got a really cool feature. We actually did a hidden pantry and this property, which also added value when you're doing semi luxury homes. And I put anywhere from 750 to probably 1.5 million as um, you know, luxury um, luxury properties. I I'd say, you know, the cool part is this hidden features. It's something that catches the eye, something that's a little bit different that hooks people in. So check out that secret pantry. It's pretty cool. But by doing these types of properties, we were able to make a lot of money. Um, the Centerbrook property, you can go through the exact numbers on it, but I believe we bought it for right about 700,000. We're putting about 200,000 in and all day long, about 1.3 million is what this property will sell for. Um, another great, you know, property with a profit gap. And I shared two from Florida because those are, those are where I've recently, recently been visiting, uh, our, our, uh, acquisitions team there. So one, five, eight, three, zero Rye Lane, Tampa, Florida, uh, these property types and profit margins, you know, are great. Uh, Rye Lane is, is a property where right next door, there's two brand new, newly constructed properties on, you know, less than a, an acre of land. And so one of the things we found um, is that the margin gap wasn't in the square footage of the house with this property. The margin gap was when the amount of land. So in Tampa, Florida, to find a property that's on, you know, multiple acres was huge, right? It's a lakefront property. Um, it's got, has a, has an awesome barn in it. Um, we're obviously refurbishing, remodeling it. You guys should check this out. Um, this was a pre-foreclosure. The property was going to be going to foreclosure. Um, we were able to get it off the market, right? And these are things we're constantly looking for, right? All of these are ways, are ways to buy. Mortgage tax foreclosures. Well, what a mortgage slash tax foreclosure is, is when somebody hasn't paid their bills, right? Um, a mortgage is a situation where they're not paying the mortgage company tax foreclosures. Um, those are county taxes typically, and they're not paying their, their county taxes. The federal IRS can foreclose on a house, but it's fairly uncommon type of thing. It does happen, but it is fairly uncommon. And so we're looking at those kind of properties. Now, one of the things I recommend to any of our followers, right? Watch our pre-auction profits training. It's a four-hour training. It's fantastic, right? A lot a lot of people in the world will go and charge you money, right? And we can go sell products and courses. We used to sell our home study course for $1,500 and we sold thousands of them. The reality is at one point I just said, look, we don't want to sell any more books and tastes. We don't sell, want to sell any more courses. We want to give our education, give our training to you guys. And, and yes, I want you to be a loyal tribe member. Yes, I want you to invest and I want you to make money. Yes, I want you to go be successful. And yes, I have selfish reasons for that because I found over the years when our investors make money, um, they come back and invest with us and we make money together too. That's how this whole thing started was investors that we used to sell education to came to us and said, Dutch, we don't want to buy education. We want to invest with you. And that's where Rad Diversify came from. So, you know, these, these, these things are real important. Now, the mortgage rate impact. This is something that is really fascinating. It's very interesting because this is the cutting edge of what's happening in real estate right now, right? Mortgage rates are going up. And so investors are having a much more difficult time getting loans. Uh, investors are having to pay more on their interest rates than they had to pay before. And homeowners, right, are the ones who are really hurt by this situation. Um, I shouldn't say, I should say homeowners and I should say homeowners who want to sell are the ones that are really hurt by this situation and people trying to buy are really hurt by this situation. I never saw how raising interest rates was going to help 
the American economy. Um, I can't think of one thing it's done to help the American economy. Maybe if you're in the chat box, put that in the chat box. Tell me if you can think of a reason how raising mortgage rates helped the American economy. Um, in my opinion, it didn't. Um, hyperinflation, yes, things were going up, but there was many other ways to curb inflation, um, many other ways to, to monitor prices to make sure um, that gas prices and gas companies um, and, and other places aren't you know, charging us a lot more money than necessary. So back to the fact of what mortgage rates do. So mortgage rates change um, the industry. And what they do is they bring back what we call short sales. And so uh, we have some different classes and some different courses over the years uh, that we teach on foreclosure. But short sales is a way of negotiating for a bank to pay off uh, a mortgage for less than what was owed. It's fairly common practice when economies flatten out, uh, when economies slow down or if things start to depreciate. So it's something we're paying attention to. Now, it hasn't gone there yet. Right across the country, the real estate industry is actually held stronger uh, than what most people thought it was going to. For us, we've been able to continue to make really great money. Uh, our first quarter returns got us to a point where you know we had over a hundred percent return uh, with Rad diversified since 2019. It took us 10 quarters to double our investors' money. So you know the mortgage rate impact, it's there. It, it, it's serious. It's going to slow down the amount of transactions that are going on. Um, but for us, you know, we want to start making decisions that are that change that. Um, what this does is it opens up the off-market real estate economy. And so in an economy where, where we were in hyperinflation and everything that hit the market sold fairly fast, and so you were left to buying the properties where there was you know, addiction or there was death or divorce or other major you know, life emergencies and life tra transitions and challenges, right? To find something that was you know, below market value, or you were left to doing the value add, right? Margin gap real estate. Now you can start finding these off-market properties. I'll also say that wholesalers, which were largely for me, a little bit of a waste of time, right? For about two years, um, as prices continue to rise and continue to go super fast. What I started to find now um, is that wholesalers, you know, don't have quite as many buyers. Um, and so if you're an active buyer like me right now, I'm finding really good deals. Um, wholesalers are bringing me more deals than they brought me before. And if you don't know what a wholesaler is, well, it's somebody who finds a deal and they still sell it to you under market and they make a profit between what they have and what you have. So it can be a great situation. Um, I tell most wholesalers, why not just go get a real estate license? You can do the same type of business and make money. Just my own, my own opinion. Now, retail. So in a hyperinflation, we were left to buying some properties retail and creating margin gaps. And this economy where real estate market has slowed down a little bit, now we're buying non-retail properties. And so we're getting better discounts and better deals than we were getting uh, just six, six months ago, which is, which is pretty crazy. This has been the fastest turning, fastest changing real estate economy I've ever seen. And I take you back to 2019. At 2019, we had a fast growing um, highly being built and highly being developed real estate economy in America. It was at the top of the real estate game. And I said, hey, we're poised in 2019, I mean, in 2020 for a slowdown. Well, the pandemic hit and we hit a double slowdown. Uh, the real estate market slowed down tremendously. Foreclosures stopped. Um, obviously, we all know the different things that happen economically, right? Rad diversified. We still made money. We still took care of our investors. Um, I just say that strongly because then hyperinflation came. And I knew hyperinflation was coming, but a lot of people make money in real estate during hyperinflation. Um, they happen to get in. If they can get out at the right time, they're going to make money. Now, if they get in only at hyperinflation and they get out after hyperinflation, then those those investors are the ones that probably you know took took a may maybe take a little bit less profit on their deals, even though they should still have made money because uh, the market didn't didn't come back that much. We made 
great money during this time. Now we're in this slowdown. And so we went up, we slowed down, we went back up and we slowed down. And so it's been an interesting cycle faster than I've ever seen the real estate market change. Um, for, for me, it took from 2004 all the way to 2007 and then 2007 to 2009, all the way to 2000 and you know, 19, right. For those cycles to run through, you know, similar cycles in, in real estate, which is pretty mind blowing that we did that same cycle from 2007, all the way to 2019. So 12 years, uh, we ran actually twice that cycle, right. Um, in just the two years of 2020, uh, 2021, and then going into 2022. So two and a half years, pretty, pretty, pretty mind blowing right? Bottom line is you got to see it to believe it, right? And I think that's important. A lot of people don't realize that in real estate, a lot of people buy sight unseen. And I think in a hyperinflation market, people kind of got in that habit again of buying sight unseen. I've seen people buy sight unseen at auctions. And it's kind of blind blowing to me um, is you got to see deals to be able to evaluate them without being able to see them. Um, you're never going to evaluate them the right way. You're never going to be able to get the right math and the right, right numbers on, on properties. And I'll tell you, every wholesaler that ever existed always says the rehab is less and the property's worth a little bit more than what it really, really is. And so it, it's something that's important. I, I've seen people down at auctions, look at Google maps, look at Google pictures and, and attempting to buy properties and they buy a concrete slab and doesn't matter how much you try and save them, right? I, I don't want anybody to get burned. I don't want anybody to get hurt, right? Um, it's one of the reasons we sell or finance a lot of properties we buy um, at auction back to the previous owners so that they can, you know, continue to have the house, right? That, that, that they can figure something out, right? People are always like, well, Dutch, you know, you have a, you have a big heart. That doesn't really work in the business world. I, I disagree, right? Um, by treating people right, by doing things right, we've always been able to make money. Now, sometimes, right, it, it's, we pass, right, on the momentary, you know, steal or the momentary gain or the momentary um, bad real estate. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because for me, the long-term good decisions is always what's made us money, you know, at Rad Diversified. And so you're going to see those times, right, where you could take advantage of somebody. If you're in real estate long enough, you're going to see a time where someone's in a house and you could do the wrong thing and you have to make the right decision by somebody, right? You're going to see, an, if you're doing enough pre-foreclosures, you're going to see an addict um, who's losing their house and they would literally you know, sell you, you know, their entire house for a thousand dollars so they could go get their next crack hit. You can't do that type of real estate. Cause it, it, if you do someday, when you, you know, lay your head down to bed, you're not going to be able to sleep. If you do someday, you know, when you die, you're not going to the same places as, as, as people who do things the right way. That's just my own belief. You can be forgiven, but we're not going to go down a spiritual path right here. But when it comes to evaluating deals, you got to see them. Um, it, it's just one of those things that that sometimes the best properties on online um, are the worst properties in person. And sometimes uh, the worst properties online can be a great property in person. And so, you know, as we grade properties and we look at them, we're always creating a system, right? You have to have a system for everything you do, because if you do it off of memory, if you do it off of your gut, the challenge is, is, is you're never going to grade properties, you know, the right way. And so an A plus property is a property that is in perfect condition. You don't want to do anything to it. Matter of fact, you don't even want to pull and pull in the driveway. The property's so nice, right? Um, you don't want you don't want to track dirt into the house, right? It's 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 in perfect condition. 
And this is a, an, an A property. An A property, right, is still a great property as it is. Um, it's probably not freshly remodeled rehab like an A plus property is or, or freshly built like an A plus property. Um, an A minus property is a property that's been in great repair, great shape, um, but it, you know, it's been a few years, right, since it was fixed up, since it had all that work done to it and made it perfect. But typically, A properties don't need to be rehabbed. Um, and, and it's something for you to understand that you know, there is a difference between an A plus and an A minus property and how they're going to sell on the marketplace. Now, here's something that a lot of people don't understand. If you buy a, a lower middle class property to uh, rougher inner city property and you're trying to sell it retail, it needs to be in an A plus condition. If you're buying a luxury home and, 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 and you're buying a really in a, in a perfect location and a perfect area, right? And you're buying a luxury home, it probably only needs to be in an A minus condition for you to be able to resell it. Now, this is important because it can be the difference of, of, of whether a house never sells, right? Or a house that sells, but also can be the difference in a luxury home of an extra hundred or even $200,000 that never needs to be spent. And that's money in your own pocket, in your own, in your own bank um, that is there. The thing is luxury home buyers already know they're going to put work into a property. Luxury home buyers already know they want a house the way they want a house. You're never going to be able to build a house exactly they want it, the way they want it, unless they were part of the planning from the very beginning. But the reality is, even if they're part of the planning from the very beginning, when it's all said and done, they're still going to want to make fixes and they're going to want to make changes. Now, your B houses is when you're going to start rehabbing houses. Now, typically we call these half halves. Um, and so when we look at our, our house, that's like 5,000 square foot square feet, and let's say it's a half half. Well, now we're going to do half the rehab costs. So we're only going to multiply it times 2,500 square feet when we do rehab costs right now, a full gut job rehab for us. That's, that's in a, in a, a nice, you know, middle-class type of neighborhood or area is probably between 70 and $80 a square foot, depending on where in the country you are, but we'll just call it $80 a square foot. And so if we were doing a full gut job rehab, right, from, from start to finish, which is a C property, then, then we're talking about $80 a square foot times 5,000 square feet. Now you're talking about a $400,000 rehab. But if it was in B condition, right, then now you're talking about a property that you only have to put the $200,000 in, into the property um, and, and you're saving money by being able to evaluate it. But when you evaluate these, it's good for calculating your profits and calculating your margins when it comes to comes to the deal. Now, bigger, not always better. And that's something that a lot of people always think that the more square footage, the bigger the property, the bigger the house isn't always better. Now, if, if you're in below middle class types of assets or properties, if you're in a rougher, tougher neighborhood, right? Smaller is actually better. Um, because what smaller does is allow you to put less money in, it costs you less money to rehab it, which obviously can help that turn into a deal. What happens in a lot of inner city, a lot of rough neighborhoods, and this is something that, you know, cities I don't think are aware of, um, and they don't completely understand, is when property costs too much to rehab, right, to be able to then resell it at a retail price, nobody's willing to invest in that property because all they would do is lose money. And so I see this in different cities, and, and, and that's why certain neighborhoods struggle and they never recover because the property values aren't there. And so people can't put money into the property in order to fix it, to rehab it. Um, and so this is just something, you know, as yeah. we look at assets and look properties, so we take all of these things into account. A D property for me um, is a complete rebuild, a complete reconstruction. Now, 
properties that cost too much to rehab or construct and you can't create a profit margin in it, those all sort of stuff will get labeled as, as a D property. And so this ABCD system, obviously we have the ABC system with, with neighborhoods that I shared um, on last week's training, but AB evaluation of properties is really, really important, right? Um, all of these things you know, are huge when it comes to these properties and we wanna be able to evaluate it, right? Um, and so we always start top down, right? We start at the roof. Um, and then we start from the inside out. What I mean by inside out, we start with the bones of the property, right? Down to the studs. What's the electric? What's the plumbing? Um, and, then, and then we come out, you know, to the walls. Like a lot of people don't understand when rehabbing properties that moving a wall is really, really easy um, unless it's, you know, a, a wall that, you know, you have to have to keep the house, you know, standing. But moving a wall, moving a door, moving a window is a fairly easy thing. Um, electric, right? Plumbing is much more challenging or much more difficult to move in a house and cost more money. Um, and so you start to evaluate houses and you get down to, look, here's how much a kitchen costs. Here's how much a bathroom costs, right? For us, you know, a, a normal bathroom is easily a $7,500, right? A normal kitchen for us is easily $20,000, $20, depending on how luxury, right? A, bath, a kitchen could go all the way to fifty or $75,000 in a luxury a luxury home, but I'm just talking about standard, normal, middle-class America, you know, for us remodeling a kitchen, for us, it costs about 20,000, um, a bathroom putting in, it's about 7,500. So it's a pretty standard, you know, right? You have different costs for flooring, different costs for, for roofs, right? Um, and, and so, you know, different costs for landscaping. And so you got to take into account all of these different things when you're evaluating how much it's going to be. But what I've also found is by ter determining the condition of the property, whether it's A, B, C, right? Helps you with that evaluation when you know what the total cost per square foot is. And so if you start with a conservative number of $80 a square foot and you know you have a B minus rehab, right? Now you can start to evaluate that. Um, or a C rehab, which you know you're gonna have to do everything, right? C rehab means you're essentially stripping it down to the suds and, and, and kind of rebuilding the house to a certain, cert certain extent. And so that's you know a C property. That means all the electric, all the plumbing, is being replaced and being fixed when it comes to the house. Um, opportunities and to rehab estimates, right? Um, I think as you evaluate, you know, properties, this this is really important mistake that I see a lot of investors make. Is I see a lot of investors try to go on the cheap. They try to squeeze rehabbing money out of a property, right? They try to make sure that they they try to undervaluate and say it's going to cost less to fix the property than what they think. And I'm just more talking to beginners, right? If you're an experienced construction rehab or contractor, you know how much it's going to cost you to fix a property. And you know, a lot of the mistakes and challenges that can be run, but I'm talking experience when you've done 20 plus rehabs, I would say then your experience when you're less than 20 rehabs, there are still mistakes. There are still hurdles. There's still problems that are going to happen that, that you haven't seen yet. I'll see rehabbers try and skip on zoning or skip on uh, permits and all of these are things that maybe you can get away with once, uh, maybe you can't. You know, the bottom line is by doing these things the right way, you're going to keep yourself from the big headache. And what I mean by the big headache is a construction or rehab project that ends up taking two, three, four years. And if you don't do your permitting, um, if you don't get high-level contractors and GCs with the right insurances, all of these things can cost you. And it all comes back, you know, to protecting yourself. I see so many people trying nickel and dime rehabs and if they just go and find good rehabbers good construction people that have a lot of ratings a lot of reviews um have, have done a ton of projects and i've done projects in the city that you're in and they have something to lose when it comes to their reputation they're more likely to treat you right and more likely to do, do the deals right 
it's a crapshoot, right? You might as well go play roulette, right? Russian roulette. If you're just trying to find a guy who's going to do it cheap, is going to keep it on the cheap. And I know my father-in-law would probably disagree with me on this one, right? Um, he's a, you know, 70 year old Hispanic man who's, you know, been rehabbing and fixing, you know, houses, you know, since his retirement. And then he does, you know, do things on the cheap and he's able to, to micromanage it and, and, and he's done a good job with it. Right. But I've also seen for every one, uh, one of him that I've seen be, be able to get away with it, I've seen 10 investors um, who've gotten burned where they gave a, re a rehab person too much money, right, up front, and they disappeared. Um, and so, you know, you have to do your rehabs in, in at least four draws, right, a start, a middle, uh, an ending, and then for finish work, you need to have a whole separate draw just for finish work when it comes comes to properties. And so I always do all rehabs and at least, at least four draws. And so each of these tips, you know, I think are important. Um, I think they save you from making making some of the costly mistakes that I see a lot of rehabbers make. And so it makes a big difference as you're looking at deals. And I, I love these topics, you know, as we go through them because they give you things to think about. And, you know, when you're doing real estate in today's, in today's world, you can just take money and you can store it in real estate. And that's not really what we do or teach at Rad Diversified, right? We're all about creating the margin gap. We're all about creating value add when it comes to real estate. So all those make a big difference into the profits and big difference into the bottom line when it comes to deals and it comes to transactions. So I'm going to open it up to questions. Um, I have a list of pre-submitted questions that people asked here too. Um, as here it says, is it true? You made a huge profit on a property in Florida because you caught margin gap. Well, yeah, I mean, we've made some huge profits on properties um, in Southern California. Um, we have some great, great deals here. We have uh, Florida, we have Philadelphia, we have New Jersey, uh, we have Houston are, are some of our major residential markets. Um, and then our farms, you know, throughout throughout the country, I didn't talk a lot about our farmland today, because I don't think it's as relative right to the individual investor. But if you guys want to ask questions about how we're creating, you know, profit margins and, and margin gaps in our farmland, you're more than welcome to. I was on another one of your webinars, and you had a neighborhood grading system. Can you go over that again? Yeah. And so not to be confused with the property grading system, right? The property grading system is, is an ABC, but then the neighborhood grading system is also an ABC system. So your A neighborhood is your luxury neighborhood. It's your named. It's like a Greenwich. Um, it's like a Green Valley. It's like a Rodeo Drive. It has a special name to it. Um, a pluses are gated um, communities where you see, you know, high-end luxury cars, $100,000, $200,000 vehicles, right? Um, an A an A community is one, uh, maybe it's a little less secure, a little less security, but usually still a gated community. An A minus neighborhood's a, an amazing neighborhood, but non-gated. Uh, a B neighborhood is a middle-class neighborhood. A C neighborhood is in, you know, a rougher area. Um, lots of times we like to buy in C plus, B minus, what we call transitional neighborhoods within that rad zone uh, we were sharing and talking about. But one of our previous webinars, we shared that. You can get that off of the website. You can get it from one of our uh, Facebook or Instagrams, uh, you know, just get into the tribe. You know, we have endless amounts of education. Like I said, pre-auction profits is a great one. Uh, shows you how to find those pre-foreclosure deals, which is awesome. Uh, Alicia Jordan said, I just came across a property that needs a full remodel that I think Brad may interest. What should I do? Um, send that through through the website, right? Send it in. Um, the team will take, take a look at it, right? Uh, I have, since my first day in real estate, right? I've always said, I'm never going to not look at deals and I'm never going to be that guy that says, Hey, you know, we're too important or we're too big to look at some individual's deals. Maybe that's a way, you know, for someone like, um, Alicia to, to get started, to, to make money. Right. Um, you know, we have a full-time acquisition team and, and multiple different cities that that'll take a look at the deal. Don't be butthurt if we don't buy it. Um, but we will take a look at it and you have my promise, you know, hundred percent to that. 
Um, like I said before, our major markets for residential, Southern California, and I would say from LA, you know, to through Orange County, um, not really San Diego County, uh, LA County, uh, Orange County, uh, uh, San Bernardino County, but the, on the inland, the inland valley, inland empire area in Southern California, Houston. Uh, we really like North, North, North Houston, uh, including Katy and Humble and those kind of areas. Uh, Spring is somewhere we've, you know, also purchased, but you know, North Houston, but all of Houston is something we'll take a look at deals in um, Philadelphia, all the way to Jersey suburbs of Philadelphia, Tampa, um, and within probably 40 miles in any direction from Tampa. Um, we're, we're more likely to look at deals in those areas. Um, we're not as likely to look at deals in areas, you know, that we're not spending a lot of time in right now, but we're not against it. Um, vacation rentals is something we're, we're taking a lot of look at right now. I think it's a great margin. Also land, um, in good areas to build or good areas to develop, especially if it's already zoned, is something we're taking a look at as well. Um, William Bowers, we've seen downgraded prices in Florida real estate from SFR to commercial. We really haven't yet, William. Uh, we haven't seen a downgrade in values. We've seen a maybe a slight slowdown in some areas of an increase in values, uh, but other areas we've still seen the you know the values climbing and and climbing rapidly. I think um, we adjusted to a little bit more to the luxury market and a little bit more to construction land. Um, when, when we saw the market shifting about, about eight, nine months ago, we, we started to make the change knowing interest rates were going to be going up. I mean, the market's always about being ahead of it, right? Um, you'll see a lot of trainers or teachers teach you one technique or one trick that works at one point in time that exists. Um, and, and that's relevant and, and real, but at the same time, what I found over the years is, is all techniques have to be known. And all techniques have to be ready to be applied. And you have to understand what's happening and what's coming in order to be able to make the most amount of money in real estate. Um, next question from Calvin Brown. Will this slow recession be coming a good or bad thing when it comes to investing? Well, I think Calvin, what happened with crypto, right? The crypto winner that came, right? That That's a whole different ballgame or whole whole different economy, right? Effect. It took a trillion dollars out of the world, you know, economy. And that changed things, you know, very fast. I told all of our investors, sell your crypto. I said, it's coming. I said, I have insiders. I have people who work in the crypto world. I have thought leaders, um, people that, you know, literally teach and train, you know, crypto that are, you know, connected with. And, and they all said, they all, they all were very aware that, that something was coming with regulations and something was coming that was going to cause it to slow down. And so, you know, we let everybody know. We'll probably buy um, some crypto before the end of this year, and, and, and that's something we're going to do. And I think that's the biggest cause of the recession. I think the second cause, you know, would be, you know, a hyperinflation, but combined with raised interest rates. And people are like, well, what do you mean? They raised interest rates to slow down hyperinflation. Well, the economy was already going to hit the recession because of the crypto winter. That's what a lot of people don't get. We didn't need to raise interest rates to slow down the economy. And so when you raise interest rates and you have the crypto winner combined, that's kind of what causes this, this magic of both worlds. But what's happening is the safest place, right, for people to store money, put money, right, for me is in real estate. Now, uh, other people can say whatever they want. I'm not a financial advisor. I can't give financial advice. And I got to do, you know, those disclosures. At the same time, you know, real estate for me is the best place to, to store money. Um, we're seeing things continue, continue to grow. And, and thing is, you can't not invest. And that's the problem right? When you don't invest, you start to lose the compound effect, right? And all investments you should make, you should be looking at, hey, can I be in this for the long run? If I'm only in it for the short run, I'm only doing day trading, then that's a specialized technique, a specialized training, a specialized skill to be able to do day trading. It's no different than gambling, 
right? Um, I went and played in the World Series of Poker. I knew that I was going to go put money down, right, to play in the World Series of Poker. And I knew that there was just as an equal chance for me to lose it as there was for me to win it. That's not investing to me. That That's gambling. And so, you know, for me, you know, it was on my bucket list and it was something that I chose to go and do. When you invest your money, you shouldn't have that kind of risk, in, in, in my opinion, right? You should be able to invest in real tangible assets that, that make sense. Walter Williams, what would you recommend getting your own house first before you start investing? Well, Walter, you know, I can't make personal recommendations because of the rules, you know, that apply um, when it comes to this type of education. What I would say in my experience is I owned many and many investment properties before I owned my own house. Now, that that was me. Now, other people, I'm sure, have owned their own house and bought investment properties, um, and, and that was for them. You know, for me, I think I couldn't afford a home where I lived in Southern California. And, and that's saying, you know, I lived in, in Laguna Beach um, when I was, you know, 24, 25 years old. And I made $250,000 as, as a headhunter um, educator, which is, you know, five times more, six times, six times more money than I'd ever seen in my life in a year before as a baseball coach. And so now I was like, well, what do I do with my money? Well, I couldn't afford to buy a house in Laguna Beach. I couldn't afford to buy a house in Aliso Viejo, even on the income I had with a down payment um, and other things that I didn't understand, you know, in my 20s. Um, but I could afford to go buy a house in Chicago, right? I found good partners um, on the south side of Chicago it was my first, you know, deal I ever, ever did in my life. And so that's something I could do. Um, and so it's all, sometimes it's, it's about circumstance and situation. Not everybody's the same and not everybody has the same situations. For some people, it makes more sense to invest first. Some people, it makes more sense to buy your own home first. For me, um, it's about getting started. And if you're able to have enough money to get started, then get started investing. Um, and as your money compounds and you get enough to buy your own home, then, then buy your own home. Um, it, it, it's a process of, of what's possible now. Um, if you don't have much money, and this is something I know goes contrary to most financial gurus, right? I know Dave Ramsey wouldn't agree with me. Um, I know that some others wouldn't agree with me, but I say, if you only have, let's say $2,000 to your name, don't go and invest that $2,000 and then pray that someday, you know, 40 years from now, that $2,000 is going to turn into a million dollars. Take that $2,000 invested into expanding your ability to make more money, right? If you don't make enough money to really invest, then you need to make more money. And, and the reality is we all can sit and cry, right? About being poor, right? And this isn't going to come off the best, but I grew up poor. I grew up dirt poor. I grew up having electricity shut off. I grew up heating up water so I could take a bath and wash, right? Um, I, I, my parents put bills in my name because, because that's what they had to do. So I know what that life is like. But there was a time when I said enough, right? I said, said I'm going to make more money. When I was coaching college baseball, I could sit there and complain that I wasn't making much money. I was an indentured servant. Um, and I could sit there and whine about it. Or, you know, when I was coaching at University of San Francisco, I ran concessions, I ran private lessons, I did the campus's first ever valet parking, um, I found a bunch of different ways to make money. And I started to make some money. And I started to get a little taste in my mouth that, hey, you know, having money does make life a little bit easier. I didn't say it makes life better for all the people who get upset when you say it, but having money makes life easier. There is no question when you go buy a car and you have money, it's easier. When you go buy a house and you have money, it's easier. When you want to invest and you have money, it's easier, right? So I say, take the money you have, invest in your ability to make more money, right? You have to invest your time. You have to invest your money and energy into that. Now, as you make more money, then continue to invest, invest that money. That's my own 
you know, personal, personal opinion, right? I'm not a financial advisor. Can't give financial advice. Make sure I do the disclosures before my compliance team, you know, before Dalen, who's been with us nine plus years, beats me up, right? Um, just kidding. She's, she's only five, five. She, she can't take me. All right, let's go to the next question. Uh, does Rad invest in commercial as well as residential units? Yeah, we, we, I would say we invest in commercial, right? We invest in commercial land. Um, we've invested in mixed commercial. We have everything from a daycare to a funeral home as a part of the total Rad portfolio. Um, we are looking at apartments. I've been working on a strategic relationship with Scott Myers over at Self Storage Investing, who's a good friend, um, and 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 looking at you know having more uh, self storage deals with the economy changes. Right, you shift strategy a little bit. Um, a lot of people don't know that you know I wrote a commercial short sales unleashed uh, course in 2010. That that you know. Um, I think we sold over 10,000 of them uh, for five, I think I want to say $1,500 a piece. And then I think the live seminar was a couple thousand dollars. Um, and now, you know, it's part of our online education that we give to people. Um, you guys can download the manual to that, or you can download that, that coursework, which is really cool. And so, yeah, we're preparing for what I think is coming, which is, you know, one in office space. I think there's going to be a lot of commercial short sales that are coming. Number two, I think there's a lot of, Oh, what do you call it? Sunday drivers um, that bought apartments and self-storage that don't know what they're doing. Um, and so as the economy shifts away from hyperinflation and, and, and where it's easy, right? I think there's going to be a lot of buy opportunities. And, you know, Scott and I had a pretty in-depth conversation about that recently. Uh, what's your take on mobile home parks? I think mobile home parks can be a great investment. Have I invested in Chicago? You've already heard that story. Can a non-invested Non-accredited investor from Canada invests in RAD. Um, my belief is yes, Mohammed, um, you, you can. Um, Ray and Bernice, uh, if we are older people who own rental property, should we consider selling or holding in today's market? Well, so I can't give personal financial advice, right? And Ray and Bernice, I think you're inner circle members. Um, at least there is a Ray and Bernice that are inner circle members. So always feel free to set up a call to have that deeper discussion, right? As you get older and you make different decisions, right? I think selling in a time where you know you're up is never a terrible never a terrible idea right selling in a time where you're down i don't think is a good idea when it comes to real estate right i've never seen real estate disappear off the face of the earth right i've seen stocks disappear off the face of the earth i've seen those kind of things happen but when real estate i've never seen it disappear and so if things are down you know you you hold and, and and you you breathe through it. Make sure you can figure out a way to make whatever the payment is, and you hold and you get through it as it comes back up. If you're up and you feel like you know you want to do something else, you know, with that money, I think you know this is as good a time as any to sell an asset to sell a property. Um, and I don't think you know prices have dropped yet. You might want to you know I I think there's still going to be a drop. I think we're not, you know, at the end of what, you know, real estate's going to see during the next during the next two years. Right. And so for us, I, I see us, you know, continuing to buy great. And now's the best time to really get ready to be buying. Um, and so now's a good time to sell real estate and prepare to buy. Um, and so we're capitalizing our cash and, and getting ourselves in a position uh, for the foreclosures that are coming and, and for the foreclosures from the moratorium, you know, that, that are coming as well. Um, David Bush is rad interested in tapping into our current home equity. I live near Haven, Connecticut. Uh, I think it's another personal financial question, David. So we'll, we'll kind of trivia that. I also think you're an inner circle member. I could be wrong, David. Uh, so let's set that up. Michael Duran, I have a lot of equity in my home now. What do you think of a HELOC to provide funds for investing? So, you know, a lot of people are asking those personal questions, right? To me, I've always believed personally, right? That if you are going to pay 5% interest rate and you can make 10, 15, 20%, on your money that that's pretty smart, pretty good, pretty good investing, 
right? Um, but it all depends on a personal financial situation, right? If, if, if it's going to be super tight for someone to make their mortgage payments, it's probably, that's probably a really bad idea. If you have an abundance of capital, an abundance of money, or an abundance of income, um, and it's easy for you to make your payments, then, then I think it's you know a decent idea. I think it's always a personal decision with those kind of things. Do you feel Zillow is accurate when it comes to value? Um, I don't think Zestimates are accurate, Tracy, but I think you can use Zillow as a tool uh, to get accurate values when you go into uh, Zillow and you start looking at uh, recently solds and you start comparing square footage. Um, and you start comparing neighborhoods um, and you use the maps that we show you when it comes to evaluating deals and you make sure you're within, you know, the same prop, the same neighborhoods um, and the same, you know, school districts, the same council in order to evaluate properties and, and use, you can use Zillow as a tool as a part of that process. Uh, Josh uh, Klagotis, uh, what is the origin story of the RAD name? Well, so original ownership was Randall uh, Bowling, uh, Amy Vaughn and Dutch Mendenhall. And so it was Randall, Amy, Dutch. And I thought that rad sounded a lot cooler than dar. Um, and so that's the origin of the rad name. It's not as fancy as someone might think, but I thought rad was just one badass name, right? Um, and so Randall, uh, Amy and I, you know, were able to, he had other things he wanted to go do in his life. And so uh, we were able to uh, buy him out and, and he went and did some really amazing things in his life. Um, but I always felt that RAD is what it was going to stay and RAD's what it's going to be because we're a RAD company with RAD team members and RAD employees and RAD real estate and all kinds of more RAD stuff. So we're just RAD. That's a dad joke in case you didn't get it. All right. Does RAD keep a percentage of the properties they buy and keep as rentals? Um, yes, we do keep a percentage. Um, did I hear you invest in farmland? Yes, we invest in income producing farmland and apply a lot of the same strategies, buying off market, buying properties other people can't find, find value add situations where we can increase the income, finding properties that are broken, beaten up, um, that aren't taken care of, finding properties that have leases on them um, that should no longer exist and that are far under evaluated on a property. And, and so, you know, been able to do really well uh, with our with our farmland. What about questions online? I can see them. Okay. Um, I would say, Chris, the first question is, are you getting a lot of wholesale deals? Um, I would say, let me stretch real quick. I am after 24 hours of playing at the world series of poker, sitting straight is, is, is not the most comfortable for another day. I need a good, good massage in order to do that. I didn't see anybody smile. You guys all need massages. You'll smile more. I swear, especially you, Robbie Reed. There, I got him to smile. No, I still didn't get him to smile. All right. So um, what I'd say first question is, is are you getting a lot of wholesale deals? Um, the answer is, you know, it's a percentage of what we buy. Um, I would say probably 15 to 20% of what we buy um, is roughly it is, right? Um, somebody was asking a question, go back up further. I think you missed once. People were asking about hyperinflation rates for national. You're exactly right about interest in place. Are there other ways to go about to get to generate money for the government inflations or national debt destruction? Are you getting a lot of wholesale deals? So I answered those. People are just giving their opinions on the, the interest rate thing. Green got it up. Is the current stock price for RAD? It's $20.03. Keep on going. Is this an IC member call? Chris, it is not an IC member call. This is a uh, RAD, RAD tribe right um, call, right? So I believe that at RAD, we give more education 
away than most people could ever pay for, right? Um, my inner circle members will get the same education, right? On certain topics that uh, my general tribe does. And I know my inner circle members have paid, you know, $50,000 to join that, that inner buying club and, and they get access to deals and real estate for that. But I believe knowledge, right? Should be accessible to everybody. Um, and so that's why we give the education we give. So that's my opinion on that one. This is a how to to properly evaluate a real estate Zoom. Oh, Danielle is answering that question for you. Let's keep going. Sounder and female. Camille, you're scrolling fast. Camille Jamison, founder and CEO of Jamison Financials. That's different. Hi, Anthony. We offer referrals to inner circle members. Buy the dip and take the sip, says Jason. How much longer do I have to wait for my statements? Um, I don't know, Marcella. You should have, this is a direct message to me, but Marcella, all, all first quarter statements, um, have been out for quite some time. You should should have them 100%. Um, hold right there. And so I would just make sure that uh, you get on the phone with one of our team from Investor Relations. Just because you asked on here, Marcella, actually one of the team from Investor Relations will pick up the phone and call you. If not today, it'll be first thing in the morning to make sure that you have it. But they've all been out. Um, we are pushing very diligently our accounting team and our new uh, controller, Chrissy, um, which is awesome, something that Rad added to our accounting team to get our statements for second quarter out at a record pace. So um, our goal is to have them out and, and before the end of the month, which would be big. Is this real estate freeing train? A big yes. My sister has a house for sale in Kendall. It needs work. It needs to be sold. It's a corner unit. Um, they are asking the offer at 600. What do you think? Uh, could be a good deal. Bernard, Bernard is all I can tell you. Passing over opportunities repeatedly. Poor. Good. Good acronym. What if you pass over opportunities repeatedly, Todd? Uh, what percentage is international investing? We do not invest internationally in real estate. It's not something um, I want. I never want some a foreign government to have power over me um, or power over my investing or my real estate. If those of you who don't know, I'm a big pro-America. I, I believe and love our country. Um, if you want some great uh, American, you know, military nonprofits to invest in, just jump on the the Rad Diversified, you know, Home Site Task Force Dagger, uh, Special Operations Wounded Warriors, you know, are two of a few uh, that we really support. It, it, it's we give we give a lot of money to them. I was going to put a big percentage of my World Series of Poker winnings um, to them had I had I won. Uh, at the World Series of Poker, uh, but we find lots of ways. We're actually going to have them come to our next Inner Circle retreat um, and and share um, some really amazing stories. If you've never seen the movie 12 Strong uh, with the Task Force Dagger guys and what they sacrificed in Afghanistan for us, you know, was was huge. You know, um, I wasn't military, but um, my older brother, you know, Brent, uh, you know, spent his entire adult life in it. And, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to support those men and the reason and women, because I, I have freedom because of, of what, what those women and those men sacrificed, you know, for us. And it's not, even if they didn't die, it's a sacrifice. They sacrificed years of their life protecting and giving us freedom. So that's my belief. Are the properties read by via JV with inner circle members held by the REIT? Um, James, the answer to that is sometimes. So uh, sometimes it's a joint venture with the REIT. Sometimes it's a joint venture with one of our other entities or one of our other companies. Um, let's keep on going. Oh, how do you go about working for RAD? I mean, go to the RAD Diversified website, Dom Dominique. You can look up uh, hiring that we're doing, companies uh, that we're, we're, you know, we're constantly hiring. We've gone, hired over 100 people in the last, I think, 18 months um, to join the RAD team. We've expanded a lot as a company, and my HR team's done an incredible job. Um, we do, I know, have some open positions in real estate research. I know that we have some open positions in HR. 
Um, I think there's a graphic designer position open. I think there's a full stack uh, developer position open, but I think we, we do have positions. Uh, we do look at acquisitions um, from different at different times um, for different things. And we're also very much looking for uh, agricultural background, people with strong ag backgrounds to help with our farming side of our business too. Um, and so it's pretty cool. Are you getting in passive real estate market? Well, we, I, I, you know, passive real estate is a fascinating word. I don't know when real estate's actually passive, if it's done right, right. It's always somebody doing the work, but finding the right people to invest in. So you can be passive in real estate. That's what rat is. That's the very definition of what rat is. Can you explain a short sale process? Um, a short sale process is essentially a home that's for sale, but they know that the mortgage is more than what the retail market will, will get for a house. And so now there's a conversation with the bank um, and the bank, you know, has to make a decision whether they'll let the property go for less, right. When it comes to the short sale um, than what, you know, the current mortgage is. Now those come and go in different markets and different economies. Um, the way it was when I wrote, um, you know, short sales unleashed, course for residential, you know, 10 years ago is very different than the way short sales are done today. The way short sales are done today um, are, can be, can be done, you know, many different ways, but it's going to be take a negotiation. Um, sometimes it's easier to do it through a broker. Sometimes it's easier to do it directly through an escrow or title agent. Um, and, and, and it's simpler. So, but there's definitely a process for that, but it's about making an offer um, and, and about making an offer and, and showing, you know, the condition of the property. A rad attorney returns only appreciation of the stock price, or do you also pay out income in the form of dividends? Um, so Omar, it's a good question. Um, rad pays distributions. We've paid a distribution every year since we were in business, um, which is great. Uh, 2025 percent, 2021, 5%, 2022, we paid an 8% distribution. Um, and we did it in 2020 when other funds were not paying distributions, when they were not paying dividends. And we, we did that. Um, to take care of our investors and to show our investors, you know, that we were strong through through the pandemic in 2023, I believe we'll pay a distribution and I'm looking to pay a second distribution this year, um, as long as we can align everything, you know, correctly with, 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 you know, the money, you know, that rad is making from properties, which is pretty cool. Um, keep on going down or is that the last one? Good. Awesome, everybody. Well, well God bless. Have a good night. Um, really happy to share great content for you tonight. Um, remember, Instagram. Facebook, whatever your thing is, uh, the team actually just put all the links on their YouTube, right? Um, the, our YouTube has probably the most content of anywhere else besides maybe our website. If you go click on, I think it's the media button on the website, right? Um, Danielle, great job putting those engagement links on there for the, for the team and stuff. Thank you. Um, you know, the team at Rad cares as much as I do. Um, you know, this extra content, this extra webinar, right? It wasn't the favorite of the team for me to say, hey, let's do another content. Let's put out more information. Let's give more education. Let's do more. Let, let me jump on. Let me talk for another hour, right? I literally just got done, right? Coming back from Las Vegas yesterday because um, I played in the World Series of Poker. I know it's bucket list stuff, right? And, but I said, you know, we're doing it, right? We're going to do this content. We're going to give out this education. We're going to give this training. Um, I cannot tell you that, you know, sitting in at those tables for, for 24 hours didn't make my back or my neck sore, but, you know, I said, I'm going to be here. I'm going to give, but our team's like that, right? I'm, 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 I'm a reflection of our team and they work their butts off and then they want to give it to you guys. And they're trying to every single way to make sure you have knowledge so you can go be su successful. So love it. I look forward to you guys being successful. Uh, let us know, you know, tips, techniques, things you want to hear, you want to learn about, things that are working for you. We'll talk to all of you soon. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Rad Podcast. Explore well. 
If you would like more information, please visit our website, www.raddiversified.com. Don't forget to like, follow, and share the Rad Podcast. And stop by our YouTube channel for more content. Thank you.